Good morning, Southwinds family and all of our guests online. So glad you're here today. We are concluding our I Am series today in John chapter 15, and we're going to be studying the first eight verses of that chapter in a moment. But before we do, let me tell you about where we're headed next in our study of God's Word. Next Sunday, we'll begin a brand new series called Shelter. We've been sheltering in place for several weeks now, and for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking together at what the Bible says about how to find true shelter in God. How can we live with faith, not fear? How can we know peace? How can we face an uncertain future with calm confidence? The Bible gives us compelling answers that we'll be exploring together. Today, we're looking at some of the most rich and profound truths Jesus ever spoke. They, they contain so much truth for living a full life. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Such simple words. But do not miss that Jesus is making another audacious claim here. Jesus is boldly stating once more that he is God, that he is God's Son that he is the source of life and the source of meaning and purpose and joy, that he is the only place where you can find true life. All that and so much more is in this simple statement. Now, to put his statement in context, let's set the scene. Jesus spoke these words that night before his crucifixion to 11 of his closest followers. Judas has, has left to betray Jesus. He's, he's just shared a meal with him that we call the Last Supper. And after the meal, they, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, one of their favorite places. They traveled across the city of Jerusalem in the dark of night. They, they crossed the small Kidron Valley. The garden was at the foot of a hill called the Mount of Olives, about a 15, 20 minute walk. It's probably during this walk that Jesus continues to teach his disciples. Maybe they were walking through a vineyard. What was he telling them? And what is he teaching us today when he says, I am the vine, the true vine? I want to show you three important life truths for us right now. The first is this. You can write this down. Jesus promises to produce fruit in our lives. Now, I hope you have your Bible out. I want to read these verses, and I hope that you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. And as we're reading today's passage, let me remind you of a Bible study pro tip. If you want to understand a passage, always look for repeating words or phrases. They invariably point you toward what God is trying to tell you. Now, listen to John 15, 1 through 8, and you identify the repeating word. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
Now, what word does Jesus use seven times? And the answer is fruit. So what is this passage about? Well, it's all about Jesus, the true vine, producing fruit in our lives. What does Jesus promise to do for us? Let me read verse five to you again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is promising to produce fruit in our lives. But what does that mean? What is this fruit Jesus will produce? Fruit's obviously a metaphor. We're not talking about oranges or bananas or strawberries. And when the New Testament uses fruit metaphorically, it's using this concept in one of at least three ways. It's either talking about life change or good works or gospel growth. So if we remain in Jesus, he will produce fruit in our lives and that fruit will look like one of these three things. Let's take a closer look at each one. First, life change. The apostle Paul wrote a New Testament letter to people living in the ancient city of Galatia. And in that letter, he says to them, if you're connected to Jesus, Jesus will produce his character in your life. Your character will look more and more like Jesus and his spirit will produce fruit in you. Life change. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe you have noticed this tree here. It's a kumquat tree I bought from home, and I, I love kumquats. Had this tree for a few years. Right now, I've, I've picked most of the kumquats off the tree, but you can see a few. And here's what I've noticed about this tree. It produces kumquats, not tangerines or lemons or oranges. Why? Well, it's a kumquat tree. The life of a kumquat tree produces the fruit of kumquats. You see, if you remain in Jesus, his life produces the fruit of his character. He changes your life. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. Most of the time, for most of us, it's a gradual process. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. But you're making progress. You're changing. You're acting in new ways. Your mouth isn't what it used to be. Your words are different. Your, your thoughts change. And maybe you're seeing it in like the way you talk to other people. You're kinder than you used to be. Maybe you used to be very self-centered, but now you find yourself looking for ways to serve other people. Maybe you used to be very materialistic. You used your money for you, but now you, you look for ways to spend less on things that don't really last so that you can give more to things that last forever. You're investing in God's kingdom and maybe you're saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. Maybe for you, it's worry. You used to worry about everything, but now you're starting to pray about everything. You're experiencing God's peace more and more and more. Maybe you used to hang out exclusively with people just like you, but now you find yourself welcoming people from other sorts of backgrounds, ethnicities. You're, you're leaving prejudices behind. You're, you're becoming a more welcoming, accepting person. Maybe you used to be really good at grudges. When someone warned, uh, wronged you, they were on your blacklist forever. But now, now you feel uncomfortable when you hold a grudge. You wanna get rid of it. You wanna forgive. Jesus, the true vine, is producing the fruit of life change in you. The true vine also produces the fruit of good works in his branches. 
We see this in a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to Christ followers in the city of Colossae. And Paul wants to let them know he's praying for them. And we, we read these words in verse 10 of chapter one. And they tell us what Paul was praying. He says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. And so that tells us fruit in Colossians 1.10 is good works. Listen to what Paul says about good works in another letter. This is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, let me be clear. Good works don't save us. But once we surrender our lives to Christ, God makes us new people. He begins to produce good works in us. Jesus, the true vine, infuses our lives with a desire and determination to do good works. We, we start looking for opportunities to serve people. We take in a foster child. We befriend another student at school with no friends. We drive a neighbor to chemo treatment at the hospital. We notice a coworker who's overwhelmed and we help them complete a project. Maybe we organize our life group to do a breakthrough love your neighbor project. Maybe we find a single mom having a hard time and we take her groceries. Now, no one does all these things, but if Jesus is your true vine and you are one of his branches, you cannot help but engage in good works. It's fruit, it's fruit. Gospel growth is a third type of fruit that Jesus, the true vine, produces in us. Go back again to Colossians 1 and Paul is saying to these believers, you know how you heard the good news of Jesus and, and you surrendered your lives to him? Guess what? He says, Christ's followers all around the world are sharing that gospel and spiritually lost people are finding Jesus. Here's how he puts it in Colossians 1 verse six. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So fruit in Colossians 1, 6 is gospel growth. If you're a Christ follower connected to the true vine, you will want to tell others about Jesus. This doesn't mean that you won't be scared when you talk. You may be very nervous. It doesn't mean you'll be as articulate as you'd like to be. It doesn't mean everyone will listen to your message. Some people will tell you, leave them alone but it does mean you'll have a desire to see other people discover in Jesus what you have found. And when others do respond to this good news, when someone's talking about their life and some difficult time they're growing, going through, maybe like even now, and you take a deep breath and you, you say to them, can I pray for you about that? Maybe when you see someone in the neighborhood, you ask them, how they're doing, and they, they tell you something of what they're going through during COVID. You can tell them, you know, at, at my church, Shelter, this new series starts next week. You can watch it online at southwinds.org, and maybe we can talk about it later, following social distancing principles, of course. And, and maybe at some point down the line, you'll be able to have a more in-depth conversation, and maybe you'll be able to tell them, I'd like to share with you about a relationship that's changed my life. And, and you begin to talk about how you met Jesus and surrendered your life to him and, and about the incredible difference that he has made. You see, when you share the good news in some way and people respond positively, they become your fruit. 
And it's not because you're such a gifted evangelist. It's because you're connected to the vine and the vine is producing his fruit in you and part of the fruit is gospel growth. Have you ever had that experience? It's like the biggest rush in the Christian life. It's the biggest adventure sharing Jesus and seeing someone respond. You see, friends, people you know need to know Jesus. And and maybe if you pray and look for an opportunity, God will open a door for the gospel even during COVID-19. You know, it's sad, but lots of Christ followers rarely, if ever, introduce someone else to Jesus. And so they're like kumquat trees without kumquats or grapevines without grapes or lemon trees without lemons or apple trees without apples, blueberries without blueberry bushes. Like, how long can I stretch this out? You know, something unnatural is going on. It's unnatural not to bear fruit if you're connected to the vine. And so the question becomes, why are so many of us relatively fruitless. Why are we not experiencing gospel growth or the good works that should be happening or deep life change? This takes us to our second lesson from this I am statement. And again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus challenges us to remain in him. Now, if you go back to John 15, one through eight, where we see the word fruit pop up seven times, this tells us that the main emphasis of Jesus, I am the true vine statement is he wants to produce his fruit in our lives. So the question becomes, what if we don't see that fruit in our lives? What's the problem? You may have noticed when we read these verses that there was another repeating expression in those first eight verses of chapter 15. If you have your Bible open, why don't you take a look? We won't read it again, but you'll see six times in these verses, this passage, Jesus tells us, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. And in fact, if we keep reading down through verse 11, we would find that Jesus says, remain in me 10 times. Over and over again, he reiterates this challenge, remain in me, remain in me. Jesus challenges us, remain in me. This doesn't happen automatically. We must choose. And if we don't remain in Christ, then we won't see fruit. Why not? Because it's Jesus' job to produce fruit in us. Jesus is the vine. We're just the branches. Look again at verse four. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let me illustrate what Jesus is saying here with a different analogy. Instead of talking about the need for its branch to remain in its vine, let me talk about the need for a vacuum cleaner to remain in its power source. I'll give you a little history. In the 1860s, vacuum cleaners were first invented and this was before electricity. So they had to be powered by bellows. You would, you would pump bellows as you walked around to suck up the dirt. Can you imagine trying to vacuum your house, having to do this every time? Fortunately, by the early 1900s, electricity was more common and, and inventors had designed new vacuum cleaners with internal fans that rotated at high speeds and created centrifugal force that created a vacuum which would suck stuff up. Now, back then, only people who could afford a machine like this were very wealthy. And so they would buy a vacuum cleaner for their servants to use. But by the end of World War II, Vacuum cleaners became affordable. And of course, now we all own one. Some of us, we own two or three, shop vacs, car vacs, whatever. 
The key thing is for this thing to work as it should, it has to remain connected to its power source. And even if you have a vacuum that runs by battery, it has to remain in that power source. So when it remains in the power source, I mean, look at that. It vacuums. You can pick stuff up. But what if, what if I remove it from its power source? What now? What's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. Now, how many of you are surprised that nothing happened? You're probably saying, well, it's not surprising. And it's, it's not. In John 15, Jesus says, if you don't remain in the vine, don't be surprised if you don't see fruit in your life. Don't be surprised if you don't see life change or good works or gospel growth. You have to remain in the vine to produce fruit. Now, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? How do we meet this challenge? There are two basic activities that are essential to remaining in Jesus, and they're both described in verse seven. Let me read that to you again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Now, what are the two activities that we see here that help us remain in Jesus so that our lives will remain fruitful? Well, let me show you. The first I've called Bible intake. Now, you've heard me talk about this many times. Jesus says, if you remain in me, how? And my words remain in you. So where do we find Jesus' words? Well, the Bible. Now, I know the minute I say Bible around here, some of you, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, you're always saying that, Pastor Mike. Get into the Bible, get into the Bible, get into the Bible. And, and you kind of think I beat that drum a little too much. Maybe sometimes you think I should come up with more creative and compelling applications. Maybe you say, you know, it's not just a check off a little box like I, I read the Bible today, so I'm good with God. So what do I say to that objection? I say, get into the Bible. Now, why do I say that? Well, because of what Jesus says here about being the true vine. He says, if my words remain in you, if you get into the Bible, then he says, you will remain in me and then I will produce fruit in your life. Then there will be life changing, good works and gospel growth. But if Jesus' words don't remain in us, then we won't remain in him and he won't produce fruit in our lives. It's really that simple. By the way, this is, this is not a superficial reductionistic sort of application. This is not about, you know, you just quickly reading some verses, checking a box on a Bible reading plan. Now, I've told you many times, you should have a plan because we always make more progress with some structure. But Bible intake really is, is reading slowly and prayerfully. It's pondering what God is saying. It's studying and memorizing and meditating. It's sharing what you learn with others. And it changes the way you act. The words you speak, the thoughts you think, you put it into practice, it leads to obedience. I mean, you can read the rest of John 15 later and you'll see it's all about obeying God. So I just want you to know, I will always keep telling you to get into the Bible as long as God allows me to be your pastor. I also wanna say, if you're not really a Bible reader yet, this season is a great place to begin. Can I say this to you? Don't waste your shelter in place just binge watching Netflix. Spend the extra time with God in his word. 
Read the Bible. And what's the second activity that helps us remain in Jesus so that our lives will be fruitful? And you might've already guessed, it's prayer. Again, go back to verse seven. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You might underline, ask whatever you wish. That's prayer. Jesus is saying, talk to me. Tell me what's on your heart. I wanna hear about your needs, your anxieties, your, your hurts and struggles. And again, this kind of praying, just can't be done only on the run. Now, there's a place in our lives, all of our lives for emergency prayers or one sentence prayers. And you should pray those prayers anytime you want. Pray those prayers often, but sometimes you need to stop and, and focus and spend time talking to God. See, this is at the heart of this challenge. We can't remain in Jesus without doing that. Now, I love to hang out with my wife, Dan. I love to talk to her and we can talk sometimes for a long time about a whole lot of things. But there are other times in the busyness of life that we can start living on really short conversations. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. It, it starts coming down to, could you empty the dishwasher? Uh, what's for dinner? There's a new Marco Polo from the kids. Have you seen that? Uh, have you seen my cell phone? I I'm working late. Did you put the taxes in the mail? Some of you may be worried about that right now. You know, most of these brief conversations, well, they're important to have, but they, but they don't deepen a strong relationship. They don't add to intimacy. See, Dana and I are not remaining in each other when that's the only way we talk. It requires longer conversations that take time. And it works the same way in our relationship with the Lord. If busyness reduces our conversations with God to these brief scattered uh, prayers, we won't remain in Jesus and Jesus won't be able to produce fruit in our lives. Let me ask you, are you setting aside, uh, aside time for prayer every day? You need to pray to remain. You need to pray to produce fruit. And here's the third lesson. You can write this down again. God prunes all branches in the vine. Go back to the first three verses of John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about pruning, but I looked it up and I looked into some of the ways that gardeners prune vines, particularly at vineyards. And I wanna tell you, it's brutal. I mean, during the winter, they may take a vine with 50 or 60 branches and prune away until they only leave a handful because gardeners don't mess around with dead stuff. And neither does God, according to Jesus. There are two kinds of pruning Jesus talks about here. He tells us first that dead branches will be cut off. Now, Jesus is talking about people who claim to be Christ followers, but their lives don't give any evidence of a fruitful relationship with Jesus the vine. There's no life change, no good works. There's no gospel growth. There's no fruit. And that's an indication of no real relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says that is serious business. To be cut off by God and thrown into the fire as Jesus warns us here in John 15, that's to forfeit eternal life. 
the apostle John who, who wrote these words also wrote something similar in his first letter, which is called 1 John. This is chapter five, verses 11 and 12. He writes, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. So it's critical for you to know that you have Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Are you sure you have Jesus? Because the telltale sign according to Jesus is fruit. Now, I'm not suggesting here that we have to earn our salvation by working really hard to produce fruit. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. Salvation is a gift from God. Salvation comes by faith in Christ, by surrendering our lives to Jesus. Jesus saves us, period. We don't save ourselves. See, surrendering to Christ means you come to the point where you say, Jesus I admit that my sin has separated me from you, a holy God. And and I believe that you died on the cross to to take the penalty, death, that my sin deserves and and that you now offer me forgiveness and eternal life. And, And that's what I want. And so you put your trust in him. Jesus saves us, be clear. We don't save ourselves. However, do not miss this. If we are truly surrendered to Christ, that will be evident by the fruit that Jesus is now producing in our lives. And if you don't see fruit in your life, please sincerely surrender to Jesus because one day dead branches will be cut off. And Jesus gives us his word on that. Well, what about healthy branches, fruitful branches? Jesus has a a loving reminder for healthy branches. He says that healthy branches are pruned for greater fruitfulness. What does this mean? It means that as you follow Christ, remaining in him and your life is producing fruit, even then, it doesn't mean that your life will be problem-free or easy. God still allows pain in his children's lives, difficult circumstances, hardships, suffering. Why, you say? I mean, why? Why would God punish me for no good reason? Well, first... It's not punishment, it's pruning. And second, it's not for no good reason. It's for the very good reason that your life will be even more fruitful. I mean, go to Napa in the winter. Oh, wait, you can't go to Napa. You're supposed to shelter in place. Maybe drive south of town somewhere here in Tracy. There's some vineyards, but go to a vineyard sometime. Look over a vineyard, especially in the winter. And if you've been there, you know, it can look a lot like death because gardeners prune. And they don't prune to harm. They prune because they know growth requires pruning. They want to see even more fruit. Why would God prune you? Because he wants to cut out stuff from your life that will keep you from growing. He wants you to grow even more, more life change, more good works, more gospel growth. Some of you are going through pruning right now and maybe your pruning is directly related to the coronavirus crisis. Maybe sheltering in place has surfaced some issues you need to deal with. Maybe God is pruning you and pruning can be painful. But if we understand it and if we trust the gardener, pruning should always be encouraging in the end. Do you realize what happens when a vine is pruned? 
Pruning reduces the size of the plant above the ground without reducing its strength below the ground. Pruning cuts away what can be seen so that what can't be seen can grow stronger. Can you see how that connects with God's pruning in our lives? See, I'm praying that if you're going through difficult times today, I'm praying that you will be encouraged, that you will be hopeful. Please do not think that God is doing this because he doesn't care or because he's forgotten about you. He's doing it because he's a good gardener and he wants you to be even more fruitful. And that's good news. Again, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He promises that he will produce fruit in our lives as we remain in him. So friends, please hear me. Remain in him. Draw on his life. Learn from him. Love him. Let him love you. Stay connected to the vine. Maybe, maybe you're realizing today that maybe you're not connected to the vine, that, that maybe you're a dead branch. Will you today surrender your life to Christ? Will you today say, Jesus, I want to be all in. I want to be connected to the vine. I want your fruit produced in me. Jesus, friends, is the only true vine. He's the only real and lasting source of true life. And he wants to give you his life. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Let's, let's pray together. Let's ask the Father. Father, we are so grateful that you have given us your life in the person of your son, Jesus, who is the true vine. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe in the stillness of their hearts right now recognize, I think I'm a dead branch because I don't see that fruit. Lord, I pray that you would lead them now in humility to say, I surrender to you, Jesus. I don't want to be disconnected from you. I, I want to learn what it means for, for me to remain in you and for you to live in me. And, and Father, for those Christ followers who maybe been neglecting the spiritual disciplines of Bible intake or prayer, would you empower them right now? Would you empower them to say, oh God, help me. Help me to become a lover of your word. Help me to become a person who prays and prays faithfully and regularly. Give me the power I need uh, to make this happen in my life, to be disciplined. And then God, for those who are suffering right now, Lord, I know there are some who are listening and they're, they're saying, God, where are you? I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on in my life. Father, would you give them the confidence that you love them deeply and that your desire for them is only to prune so that they will become even more fruitful, that you are only doing what is good in their lives. Lord, you are good and you are so kind. And Lord, we love you and we want to know you. We pray that you would use this time that we've had together this morning uh, to grow us more like your son, Jesus. We pray all of these things, Father, now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people, wherever you are right now, you say, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if there's any way that we can serve you, please let us know. You can contact us through email or by calling us by phone. 
uh, you'll see that information available to you on the screen. And we hope you'll have a great week and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.